0: It's being an eyewitness. Of course, I'm intentional on a little bit of a play of words here. When we have had the opportunity to observe and to literally see God at work in our lives and the change and the transformation, the salvation, that he took us out of a place of bondage into liberty, out of place of sin into forgiveness, out of place of confusion into clarity, God has brought great salvation into your life, the multitude of those of you who are here. God has done that. And now we want to be that witness for him. So we're an eyewitness, but I am a witness. I am to be a witness. It's a sacred call that's over your life and over my life. Now, sometimes we're fearful and intimidated by that because our society can be somewhat resistant. We might anticipate ridicule, rejection. We might anticipate someone saying, you know what, I really don't want to hear this, and you're going to hurt or mar our relationship if you continue to get religious on me. So there are pressures from society, from within our family unit, with our neighborhood, in the workplace, to kind of get paralyzed by a variety of different fears. I know and understand those fears. That was one of the biggest struggles I had in my life, coming to Christ, dealing with fears in my life, the fear of failure, the fear of potential ridicule, rejection, not being liked, not performing good enough. And so when you start thinking of the gospel, you think of, oh, my goodness, I can get paralyzed by these fears. But I believe as you understand the, the power and the authority that is given to us to share good news, it really is good news that you're bringing to others. You're bringing the good news of light in the midst of a darkness that is creating decay and destruction in their life. You're bringing the good news that God wants to heal you, restore you, reconcile you, forgive you, bring you life instead of death. It is good news. And we don't have to be afraid. We can receive a fresh baptism of God's agape love, and that perfect love will push out all fear. We would say to the Lord, Lord, fill my heart with your love for this individual. And if there is someone that maybe their countenance, their position, their status, just who they are and their demeanor and their personality, it just is intimidating to you. Yet they're in your sphere of influence and you want to be a witness to them. Can I prescribe to you maybe a remedy or a solution? It's given to us by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1 and verses 1 through 8. He says this, it's no wonder that I have such compassion for you. In other words, I'm willing to reach to you to help you. Because I have you in my heart. Now, if you read the preceding verses, he indicates how that individual got into his heart. He says, I pray for you constantly. That taught me a principle. When there's an individual in my life that I'm just intimidated by or I'm uncomfortable with, But they're in my web environment, they're within my community, my neighborhood, in the workplace, in my family. I know it's someone that relationally I should be sharing my faith with, but yet I'm intimidated by them, a bit fearful. I feel the paralysis take over within my actions and especially my tongue to open my mouth and to share the good news. I find when I start praying for them, I mean really praying for them. I immediately experience not only God touching them, but God transports them from my mind, which just simply is intellectual, academic, and analyzing and evaluating, and it could be that milieu where I become intimidated and fearful. It transports them from just my mind and my logical assessment of the person or the situation, and it pushes them into my heart. And in my heart, there I have boldness and courage, compassion, and the desire to reach. So Paul said, it's no wonder I have this compassion for you, this desire to reach to you, because I have you in my heart, and I got you into my heart by praying for you. When you pray for that person, all of a sudden you'll sense the fear being removed, and a love coming in you, and a love that motivates you to move forward. And Galatians says, faith works through love. You communicate your faith through love, and so let God just baptize you with that love, and maybe for some in here, you know exactly what I'm saying, what I'm talking about, you know the intimidation, the uncomfortableness, you know the fears, start praying for them. Watch how praying for them specifically, target them in prayer, a path will be created, you won't run from it, you'll move toward it, because you'll be driven by love right toward them, to be the witness he's called you to be. See, all of us have something we need to bring to the table. I want you to think of it in relationship to God. When you think of Almighty God, when he shows up, when his presence comes, and believe me, we saturate our services with prayer. And our biggest prayer is God Let your presence descend over all of us. May we experience your presence because what happens when God's presence shows up, when he comes? I mean, think of that when someone comes into a room. Just look at the human personality. They come into the room, you know immediately it kind of sets a tone, creates an atmosphere. It, you, could, you could smell their attitude. There's, there's, their presence just begins to work itself in to even how you feel, how you're thinking, how you would behave. And it could be positive or very, very negative. When you think of Almighty God, when His presence shows up, When he steps in on the scene and he begins to embrace you, you get impacted with pure love, peace, joy, freedom, liberty, reconciliation, restoration, health, healing, clarity, understanding. It's incredible when you come into the presence of God. Is there correction? Yes, there is. But it's a correction that comes with the desire to bring healing, restoration, and wholeness. You come into the presence of God, it's awesome. I mean, that's why you don't want to miss your time with him in prayer. He envelops you with that. When I meet with him, I know I'm going to encounter what God brings to the table, and he brings to the table all of the truth and all of the wisdom and all of the understanding, all of the strength and grace and healing that I need, the joy, the peace, the patience that I need. He fills me with it. Now, here's the question to you and to me. What do you bring? What what do you possess? What do you hold? What do you bring? What do you carry into the moment, into the relationship, into the encounter? What do you bring? What's in you? What do you bring? It's rhetorical, but reflect upon it. You may actually not realize it, but others know exactly what you bring the moment you step into the room. You can do everything in your power to conceal an attitude, but you can't because an attitude is an aroma and you can't contain it. It can be a good smell or a bad smell. You can try to gloss over and cover it with your words. won't do it. Everyone will pick up your attitude the moment you step in. Is it positive? Is it filled with a joy? Is there a godly, eternal perspective to what you bring to the table? Or are you constantly bringing to the table, are you carrying negativity in a critical spirit, a complaining tongue, what, what do you bring? Doubt, unbelief, skepticism, cynicism, what do you bring? I'm not saying that to belittle you, to mock you. I'm not saying that that you should come down on yourself and condemn yourself. I'm just saying be open to the challenge and to the correction as you do that self-evaluation, introspection. Ask yourself, I ask myself that, what am I bringing to the table? What am I carrying into my marriage with my children? grandchildren, in the workplace, in the community that I live, in my neighborhood, when I walk into a store, what, what, do I, what am I carrying into that? Now, there's a statement that is made in the book of Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 and 11. It speaks of what I believe we need to carry, and it's not ourselves, it's the presence of Christ. The Apostle Paul basically said it this way in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And then he goes on to say, and the life I live, so it shows that it's not personality suicide. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. He knew that in every encounter they needed to meet more than Paul. They needed to meet Christ. Christ is our hope and their hope. I need to bring Christ into this moment. I remember when the Lord said to me personally, he said, Gary, if you'll be crucified in me, I'll be resurrected in you. If you'll be crucified in me, I'll be resurrected in you so that they won't just encounter you, they'll encounter me. That's what we need to bring to the table. More than your gifts, talents, ability, personality, disposition, attitude, demeanor, all of that, it could be good or bad, positive or negative. More than all of that, what transcends and supersedes all of that is you say, I wanna bring to the table, I wanna carry, I wanna hold, I wanna possess, I wanna bring to others Christ. Here's what it says. Then I heard a loud voice. This is Revelation 12, verse 10 and 11. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him, the devil, By the blood of the Lamb, now the blood of the Lamb reflects on the life of Christ, the teachings of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the person of Christ, the presence of Christ. His blood is Christ, His blood. By the blood of the Lamb that is brought cleansing and restoration and reconciliation for us, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, that's being a witness And they, listen to this, and they did not love their lives to the death. In other words, there was self-denial. There was the laying down of one's life so that Christ could go across your life like a bridge, like a path. The brothers and sisters that preceded us walked in that spirit. Think of the picture that's given to us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Witnesses, witnesses, witnesses. It doesn't say we're surrounded by our brothers and sisters or sons and daughters, even though those are appropriate for each one of them because it's our brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the Most High God that have gone on before us. They're with him. And the imagery created by the Apostle Paul is this vast arena in the midst of a great race as if those who've gone on before us, they've died but they've gone to be with the Lord, they're in this great arena sitting up in the stands and they're identified as witnesses. Witnesses so that we would reflect what they did when they were on earth. I too wanna be a witness for you. We're surrounded by this great cloud, this huge cloud of witnesses, brothers and sisters that ran hard before us that were willing to lay down their life, exalt Christ and reveal him to a lost and dying world. We're surrounded by those witnesses. So on this earth, May we be the witness God has called us to be. The scripture says in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I depend on the Holy Spirit to empower me to be the witness he wants me to be. And you shall be witnesses. Now the word that's used in the Greek New Testament, martyres. What word do you think we get in the English? Martyrs. Ones who lay down their life lay down their life they don't lose it they lay it down they don't become a mat they become a bridge so that they're not just seen he's seen but God uses us as the footing upon which he walks so we're necessary in the equation there's a cooperation God doesn't just blast his gospel from the heavens through an angelic host he uses me and you we're to be his witness as a witness we lay down our life so that we can be that witness in our jerusalem judea samaria to the ends of the earth and that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses another way of saying it is from luke nine twenty three, where jesus is speaking and says if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself Take up his cross daily, that cross is one's association with Christ, and follow me. So the greatest strength of your life witness, more than your verbal, your life witness, is you following Christ. You pattern your life after him. That becomes that life witness unto others, that we follow him. The cross, we have to be near. You can't lift up a cross that you're not near. There has to be relational proximity. You have to get close to the cross before you can lift it. But when you move close to Christ, you have intimacy with him, then you're empowered to be sent by him. The scripture will say in Romans 10, how can you preach unless you are sent? So you have to be with him in order to reveal him unto others. You're sent by the Lord. You're empowered by the Lord. You have to come close to him. Now, there's an aspect here, though, that it's not only a love that motivates us, but obviously David understood joy becomes an impetus to engender a reach unto others. That's why in the midst of his sin, he had sinned, disconnected from God. There was separation, alienation from God. He was isolated, but he returned. That could be you and I. Some seasons in our life where we've grown distant, and cold, indifferent toward God, and then we come to the realization that wow, I have sinned and I wanna be restored back to you, and we come back to that place of knowing and understanding our great salvation, the great salvation that's coming to us. And then our prayer that we lift, like David did, restore to me the joy, oh, the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore that joy to me, Lord. That joy that is more than a superficial smile or a glib happiness contingent on circumstances that surround you. It's a joy, according to Nehemiah chapter 8, and verse 10, it's a joy that produces strength. When you have that strength, guess what we're able to do? We can lift the cross then. It's all the pressure you feel from family in the workplace, Mockery, ridicule, rejection in the midst of the weight of a society and a culture that tries to oppress us where we have little strength to lift the cross. All of a sudden you'll have not only a baptism of love, you'll have a baptism of joy. Restore that to me, Lord, the joy of your salvation in my soul and my spirit. And I know it will create, strengthen me to lift the cross. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. May we have the strength to lift that cross. Now at the end, we're going to sing two songs that are going to be very unique. You're going to wonder why they connect with this message. But I want you to remember this scripture because it's connecting to that. Because I think many of you have lost that joy. You've lost that that fire, that that passion that zeal you you've dropped it you have to pick it up again do you remember some of you when you first came to the lord fresh out of the womb born again you witnessed to anything that moved you wanted everyone to know and then things started colliding with you pressing on you shutting you down you became a little bit more sophisticated I understand that. For me, when I gave my heart to the Lord, there was a fire, a passion that was just burning in my soul. It was a great deal of zeal that had to be coupled with some wisdom. I know in my own heart, oh, we're not ready yet. Oh. Did, I, did you think I called you? I did, I'm sorry. This is not an illustration. This is a legitimate mistake. <laughs> okay, pretend, pretend like you didn't see that. Oh, but we got this on video. Okay, Ryan. We know what to cut. That's okay. <laughs> no, that's way before the. now you're gonna think this mess is It's over. We're not anywhere close. Okay, take two. <laughs> Where was I? There's that passion. But you know, I know that sometimes, you know, it gets a little out of hand. And for those who mentored me, they saw my fire, that zeal, and it needed to be put in a fireplace. My, my zeal had to be coupled with wisdom. But sometimes you get it in that fireplace and the bricks start going up all over and it becomes so sophisticated, the fire's gone. So I'm not advocating be zealous without wisdom. I'm just saying make sure that your zeal and your wisdom are interconnected and neither one is lost, that you maintain that passion to communicate to others. And if you dropped it, just pick it back up. Say, Lord, I, I lost that passion. I want to pick it back up. Let it burn in my heart by your Spirit so that I, would be, that I would remember the great joy of the salvation you brought into my heart, that I'm saved, that I've been born again, that I know Christ. I don't have to be fearful of death. I can live an abundant life, I can look at life through the lens of the eternal, not just the temporal, that that I'll realize I won something far bigger than the lotto. Because no matter how much money you have, no matter how big your mansion is, it'll never shield you from darkness. It'll never shield you from death. It'll never shield you from despair. I don't care how big your mansion is. Doesn't matter how many cars that you drive. Doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account. It doesn't have the power to shield you. Only the blood of Jesus. And you that have been born again to be reminded you're covered by the blood. You are forgiven and restored and reconciled. And God has birthed in your soul liberty and freedom deliverance and you can proclaim that to others because of what God has done for you you see your story connected to his touch is your faith story it's your it's your testimony remember by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony now don't minimize your testimony i know for a long time i didn't think i had much of a testimony i didn't feel i had much of a story You know, I would hear some get up and say, wow, I was on heroin, I was on this, I was on that, and I beat this person up, and I murdered this person, I killed them, and I did this, I destroyed, I blew up half the planet and all that, and then I got saved. Jesus came in, touched me. I'm like, wow. I mean, the closest thing I got to drugs was aspirin. I had kind of a wimpy, rebellious background. I was very, very religious. I was a good religious boy. I was the head altar boy, prayed the rosary every day, carried all the saints there, you know, their pictures in my pocket. I had the medals, the, 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 the scapula, everything, man. I was, I was good. But I didn't know God. I didn't know God. And I thank God that my sister Gloria shared with me. She loved me. Because I, I rejected her at first. I got mad. I said, hey, I know God. She goes, you don't know him, Gary. You know religion, but you don't know God. I said, yes, I do. I, 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 I go to mass. I, I, I pray the rosary. I, I do the same thing. I do the novena every time I get a chance and all that. You don't know him. And I realized, I don't know him. And then I came to him. Oh, on the day when I received Jesus to be my Savior, my Lord. But I'm glad that Gloria had a joy and she had a love that didn't stop and kept pressing in. And I received him. So when I give my testimony, someone asks, I say, well, what did you struggle with? Well, I, was, I was a nice guy. I was really good. I felt my good works would do it. I was religious. I had a big struggle with fear. Big, big fear. And then he touched me. He touched me. And I remember I, when I was talking to the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I don't have much of a testimony. He said, Gary, remember, a testimony creates the bridge of connection, the area where someone can relate with you. And that's what, you know, you don't wanna minimize that. Some of you came out of an addiction or a, or a marriage that has, had fallen apart, or you lost all your money, or there's, there's ones here that you, as a couple, your child was killed and it brought you to Christ. God has given you, many of you, an intense story we all have a story. I have a story, you have a story. That creates the bridge, the, the place to relate, that connecting point when someone says, wow, I, you know, we're on the same page, I know exactly where you're coming from, because God will sovereignly, providentially make sure you connect with individuals that can identify with your story. But it's the story. His touch is where the power's at, his touch. We've all got a story. And it it creates that connection, that bridge. But the touch is where the power is at. That's when the person is impacted with the gospel. When you say, Jesus Christ touched my life and changed me completely. That's where the power flows in. In your testimony, wherever it's at, realize it is as equal and as powerful as anyone else when you can say, he touched me. Then he touched me and god's power will flow out of your life and touch that other person's life now there's five facets of being a witness for christ what five i thought we were halfway through the message don't worry we're not going to go long on these i just want to zero in on them because they're very important they're a biblical understanding of what it means to be a witness and i'd be remiss if i didn't identify the importance of these because sometimes we think it's just being verbal but it isn't The verbal witness is the tip of the iceberg. Underneath are very important aspects of your witness and mine. The first is where the scripture says you are called to be salt. That's the taste of authenticity to your life. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 13. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, it's then good for nothing. Your authenticity, that you're devoted, you're dedicated, you're real, you're genuine. I remember Diane and I, we had gone out to eat And one of our practices is just before we partake of the meal, we'll always say to the waiter or the waitress, is there anything that we could pray for you about? We're about to pray over our meal. Is there anything that we can pray for you about? 99% of the time, the person is usually stunned and they'll say, oh, yes, would you pray for my grandmother? She's about to have surgery or my marriage or some situation in their life. They'll usually express that. Sometimes they'll feel like, do, you, do I have to join with you in prayer? No, 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 we're no. Gonna, we're gonna pray over the meal and we'll pray for you and we'll, we'll keep you in mind as we do that, okay? Sometimes, rarely, there's always that 1% will go, no, I don't want prayer. Then I'll usually say, okay, would you like us to pray that you get a really good tip? <laughs> and then they'll say, oh yeah, 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 pray for that. <laughs> and then make sure you give them a really good tip, otherwise they don't think God answers prayer. But in that moment, when we started to share with this young lady, we, we could sense that there was we could go further. And when we started talking, she said, oh, wait a second. Are you talking about like becoming a Christian? Yeah, there's a waiter here. He, he talks about it once in a while, but phew, he checks out every girl. He checks out all the women. He doesn't speak. He, he, he uses tons of profanity. And it was just terrible. It was the salt lost its flavor. What do I do in that moment? I, dis- I said, hey, I don't, know. I, I don't know if he's a Christian or not. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm not cutting out on a brother. I'm just saying, you're such a bad witness that I'm not going to step on you to, to help get this gospel across. I'm just going to disconnect. So we'll usually say, oh, listen, no, no that's not what we're talking about. I, I don't know who he is. I don't know if he's a believer or not. We want to share what Jesus really does. See, our witness is the authenticity of our life. I mean, if you blow it, ask for forgiveness. I've had some come up and say, I can't be a witness anymore, I lost my temper, I used a word of profanity, I blew it in the workplace, so I'm never gonna open my mouth again. I said, oh yes, you will. You go and apologize to all of them. You just tell them, listen, I'm sorry that you saw what you saw, heard what you did, I blew it. I, I ask that you please forgive me for that. Whoa they'll feel for a moment they just met a real Christian. Because they know and you know, we're not perfect, but we've gotta be dedicated, we have to be devoted, and we have to be committed. Now that isn't licensed to say, hey, I'm not perfect, so I'm just gonna live whatever I do, no, no come on. And you, you're running to an extreme with what I'm saying here. You're saying, I am dedicated, I'm devoted, I'm gonna be authentic, and when I blow it, I'm gonna ask for forgiveness, because I want the strength of my witness to keep going forward. We've been called to be salt be that. Now, that's not something that you hear, it's something that you taste. Now, this is something you smell. Not something you hear, it's something you smell, to be an aroma for Christ. The scriptures say in 2 Corinthians 2.16, the aroma of life leading to life is the fragrance of a godly attitude. Remember, you can't conceal that attitude. Individuals will smell that attitude. And even when you're going through a storm, they can smell that attitude. That's when your, your walk with God really stands out. When you're in the middle of a storm and you've been around a lot of fire, but they don't, they don't smell the smoke. There's just something unique about you. Awesome witness for him. And then you're called to be light. Again, that's not something that's heard. It's something that's seen. Salt, something that's tasted. Aroma, something that you smell. Now light, something that you see. So that is your good works. The good works that are lived out. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 14 and 16. You're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see, see, not here, see your good works and glorify, doxa means to reveal, make visible, God the Father in heaven. So we know, yeah, good works don't save you, the sacred work of Christ saves us, but good works reveal your salvation. It's not works righteousness, but it is a righteousness that works. And there's something about those who look on and they see your good works. Now I know, as a Protestant, we'll zero in on Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine, which says, hey, it has nothing to do with our good works, To gain eternity, remember I relied upon that. I thought my good works would get me a brownie point with God and create a stairway to heaven. Well, I realized that wasn't the way in because Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of your own works. But you can't stop there because verse 10, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, I just quoted, now verse 10. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that you might walk in them. So he marries those two right then. Good works don't save you, but good works are going to be the inevitable manifestation of you being saved. So, go out and do good works In Christ Jesus, walk in them. Ephesians 2.10. Then you're called to be hands. Yes, that opportunity that they don't hear, but they feel it. Remember, they they see it. They feel that presence of God in your life, my life. They, They taste it. They smell it. And Jesus said it this way in Matthew 25, verse 35 and 36. This is what he says. Just stop for a moment and think about this. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous said, when did we do that? And he said, when you did it to the least of the brethren, you did it to me. There's something about our witness, reaching out like hands, touching felt needs. Now those are four extremely important ones in our life. And I would be again remiss if I didn't emphasize those very important facets of being a witness. So you have to say, Lord, I wanna be salt. I wanna be authentic. Lord, I I wanna be that aroma. I want them to smell that godly attitude. I wanna be light so they see my good works and reveal you. And Lord, I wanna be hands that they feel that touch felt needs in their life. But then it has to be married, yes, also to your voice. It would be just as wrong for me to highlight those four with the absence of your voice. Your voice connected to your actions. I remember at 16 when i gave my life to the lord 17 nearing 18 years old in order to get through college i would work in the summers landscaping with my uncle and uh, one of the jobs that i was assigned to do was at a factory and you had to just mow the entire outside it would take an entire day so at lunch i would go in and i remembered hey i want to be salt i want to be light i want to be that aroma i want to be that hands so it kind of justified me not connecting my tongue to my witness with this guy, Lenny. He was about my age, and I'd go in and have lunch with him. He worked in the factory, and uh, he was responsible for a power lifts and the, um, the forklifts. And I remember, you know, week after week after week, you know, he just knew, you know, things were different about me, but I never connected my verbal witness with him. I, I never shared, actually, my faith. And I remember I started sensing stronger and stronger from the Lord. Share with him, Gary. Share with him. I said, but Father, you know, the strength of my witness. He goes, you've got the strength of your witness now. You've been an aroma. You've been that light. You, he, he, he's, he's tasted he, 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 He's got that. Now, share with him. Be that verbal witness. I was resistant to it. Remember I told you I battle with Fear. I, I thought, no, no, he's gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow the whole friendship, and I, I want to keep that going, maybe a little longer. I kept feeling that so strong, I can still feel it now. It was being pressed on my heart. And I remember that one morning, I was out there mowing, and this ambulance pulled up to the factory. And I remember I looked, it was so unusual. I said, oh, i got to go inquire, see what's going on. And I went over there, and I saw them wheeling someone out, and a sheet was over them. I said, what happened? They said, oh, man, you know Lenny in there? I said, what, what happened? said he was working on a forklift and it let go, the hydraulic, and it it severed his head off. I said, no. I remember it impacted me so much then, it catapulted me from there on out, always to make sure I will, I'm gonna be that witness for you, Lord. I'm, I'm gonna be, I will be that salt, and I'll be that aroma, I'll be that light, I'll be those hands, but I will also be a voice to share my faith. I know he had his own will. I know he had his own choice. I don't come under condemnation and feel that his blood is only on my hands, but there was a responsibility and I dismissed it. I learned a huge lesson from that. Never, never to delay when that moment comes when you know with your friend or your family member or in the workplace or with your neighbor, this is the moment. I've gotta open my mouth And I have to be that verbal witness. The scripture will say it this way. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That doesn't mean you have reverend and stand behind a pulpit. It means you are a proclaimer. You link your voice with the strength of all that has preceded it. And you become that anointed witness for Christ. Now I'm gonna ask the worship team if they'd be so kind as to come out. This is the moment. Now the worship team can come out. Yeah. <laughs> now, this scripture, Hebrews 2.4, remember I said we're surrounded by what? A cloud of witnesses. We're to be a witness, right? Now isn't this beautiful in Hebrews 2.4? God says, I'm gonna join you in this and I'm gonna be a witness. God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now that's the power that connects with it. I remember I was sharing with this, this gentleman and as I was in the midst of sharing, he kept complaining about his back. He kept going, oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, what are you saying, oh, oh. I said, let me, I thought, man, he's in so much pain, he can't hear me. I said, listen, can, can I pray for you? He said, What? I said, I'm sharing about Jesus, but, and I thought, okay, God, I'm surrounded by witnesses. I'm being a witness. Now I'm going to lay hold of Hebrews 2 4. You're going to be a witness now with me. We're, we're doing this together. We need a sign and a wonder for this guy. So I said, Can I pray for you? And he said, All right, go ahead. I said, Is it all right if I just, you know, lay my hand on your back? He goes, Yeah, remember, you know, you're religious. So he, Like, what are you touching me for? So I said, okay. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, as a sign and a wonder for this man, heal his back. It was awesome. Instantaneously, he was touched. He goes like this, he goes, now remember, he's not saved. He goes, what the blankety blank did you do? Whoa, wow. God is a real blank, blank, but he came through blank, blank. It was like, wow. It was really, really intense profanity, but it was okay. Because he had been touched by the power of God. Now, I told you at the end of the service, we're going to sing two songs. We're really closing now, but these two songs are important. You're going to wonder why they connect. And yesterday, instead of walking through a forest, it was so cold out, you know, rainy. Nobody was out at the beach, so I went on Long Beach. And as I was walking along the beach, just a heaviness came over me. A tremendous heaviness as I was praying for the services and trying to make sure I was discerning what he wanted me to say. And, I, and it was such a heaviness of almost a sorrow, I started to cry, I said, God, what's up? He said, I'm, I'm causing you to be in touch with some of those that'll be coming to service tomorrow, to really be in touch. That they're coming with a, a sadness, a discouragement, a, a disappointment in their life. But there's a sorrow, I, I, I want you to know, I, even if there's just, if you're one here, he puts you on my heart, if you're just the only one. But it was a sad, it was a, it, was, it, was a, it was a sorrow. And he said, I want you to end with these two songs, Gary. My eye is on the sparrow, and it is well with my soul. And when he said that, it was like, it doesn't fit with the message. And he said, oh yes it does because if you don't have that joy, you won't share your faith. If you don't have that joy, you won't share your faith. It may be applicable to many, it might be just a few. I know God has spoken to all of us, including myself. So as we sing these two songs, I believe the Lord's gonna visit you. Whatever that sorrow is, whatever that disappointment, whatever it's had in your heart, it's kind of weighed you down and you you don't even think of being a witness, you're just trying to survive. God's gonna lift you out of that because he told me you sing those two songs and my anointing was gonna descend. So I'd us to stand, to stand together. And yes, in our heart we say, Lord, I want to be a witness for you. Oh, God, with our eyes closed and our, and our hearts lifted to you at the close of this service, we believe God the Holy Spirit has spoken to us. We desire, we want to be that salt. We want to be that aroma. We want to be that light. We want to be those hands, and we want to be that tongue, that verbal witness. But for some here, I know there needs to be the restoring of the joy that's been taken. And I pray that you, God, the Holy Spirit, this is how you wanted this service to end, that every life here would be touched as we lift these two songs in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for lifting our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit causing us to soar into that presence, your presence. And thank you, Father, for bringing to us your joy, your joy, your peace, your peace, your love, your love to all of our hearts. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, God. I just know right after the benediction, The altars, that means the front of our church right up here, there'll be leaders that would be ready to pray for you. If you need special prayer, I encourage you to come forward. And if you've never received Christ into your own heart to be your Savior, the forgiver of your sins, and to be the Lord, the ultimate leader of your life, I encourage you as well to come forward. Now may the blessing of Almighty God be upon your life. May there be a new passion a new fire, a new zeal, a new wisdom, a new courage that fills your soul and explodes through your life. That you would be, by the anointing of the Spirit of God, the salt He's called you to be, the aroma He has called you to be, the light He has called you to be, the hands He's called you to be, the voice that He's called you to be. May this anointing, Be on your life, abiding on your life to the day you die and join the other hosts, and join that great cloud of witnesses. I pray this blessing on your life in Jesus' name. Would you say, I receive that. Come on, I receive that. So let it be. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you.